Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com or by clicking the Share Your Story tab on the Church Center app. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. And you can do that by clicking on the giving link located in the description below this video, online at fellowshipgj.com. Or if you're a member here at Fellowship Church, you can give through our Church Center app. This will help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thank you for joining us today and enjoy today's service. Hey church and welcome. We are so excited to worship. Will you stand with us? I just wanted to start out with scripture. This is found in the book of Ezekiel. And it's when the Lord is speaking to the prophet Ezekiel and he's giving him a picture of his people to give them a message. And the Lord says this in chapter 37, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, oh Lord God, you know. And then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, oh dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God of these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. And so I prophesied as I was commanded and as I prophesied, there was a sound and behold a rattling and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And so I prophesied as he commanded me, this is a little bit further down, and it says, the breath came into them and they lived and stood on their feet an exceedingly great army. And our God is the God of impossible. Like he uses things that you would never expect. He uses things that were even dead or not living and he completely resurrects and he redeems them. So as we're singing, as we are worshiping this morning, I just want you to keep that in mind that if you thought you were the person that God couldn't use, I'm telling you that you're wrong. And he can use anyone, he can use anything, and he can use you, so let's worship, come on. Saturday was silent, surely in this room. Since when has it possible? Ever starting Friday's disappointment Sunday's empty tomb Since when has it possible Ever starting Come on, sing This is the sound of a child
already won the battle. But scripture says that he gives us the authority in his name to defeat giants, to tread on serpents, just to, to, to pray and see healing. And so I wonder what it would be this morning. What is your wall that you need to see come down? What is the, the issue, the, the giant that's in your life and that you just need help with? Well, according to scripture, God is there for you and will come through for you if you just ask, if you just give it to him. When was the last time you looked at your problem, when you looked at that issue and you just went to God and you prayed for it, you just interceded for yourself. You didn't complain about it. You didn't call your friends about it. You didn't allow it to get you down, but instead you just went to war. Let the champion, the creator of the universe, go to war with you. Yes, yeah, so it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's financial. It doesn't matter if it is a health issue or it's an issue within your family. Maybe right now your kids are just, oh man, it's just, it's an issue with your somebody in your family. And it's just been hanging over you. It's made you fearful. It's stole your joy. 
It's made you fear the future. God has given you the authority to do battle. Whatever the devil's trying to steal from you, take it back. Take it back. Take it back. So when you sing these next words, let's sing them a little differently. Visualize as you sing these words, yourself taking authority in Jesus' name over whatever it is that you're facing. Open up your mouth. Open up your mouth and have the confidence that in Jesus' name, all giants will fall. All walls will crumble. Tell him right now what it is. Just take a second. Lord, we just give you our finances. Open up your mouth and tell him what you need. Tell him to take care of it in Jesus' name. He's given you the authority to do it. Even though he does it, he wants you to ask. In Jesus' name, I, I give you my health. In Jesus' name, I give you my finances, my, my family. In Jesus' name, I give you my hurt. An emotional scar that I have from that betrayal, I give that to you. And in Jesus' name, fix it, heal it. Provide, minister, call people back to you, Lord. Thank you for giving us this, this authority. 
Thank you, Lord, that we have this authority that, that you've given us, Lord, to, to, to do warfare on your behalf. Help us even now that we would leave this place and we would know things are different. Would you give us a peace that passes all understanding that when we walk out these doors, we know you are doing warfare on our behalf. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. We give you all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys, let's give the Lord another praise offering before you're seated. Yes, and as you head back to your sections, if you greet each other, show the love of Christ in his house this morning, get to know some people around you. If you're watching online, thank you so much for being a part of Fellowship Church. Uh, we know that you have an opportunity to watch a lot of churches online, but thank you for being a part of our family. And if you're a guest, maybe you just started watching online, or maybe you're a guest here in the auditorium and you'd like to have a little bit more information about Fellowship Church, super easy to get it here. All you got to do is use your smartphone. If you'll text the word fellowship to 94,000, you'll be able to get a link that will give you some more information about the church. You'll see, it'll show you how to get registered for an upcoming guest reception, which we had one of those this morning. We do those once a month. And that would really be your next step here at Fellowship is to do the guest reception to see how you can get better connected at fellowship because our whole existence is about connecting the unconnected to Jesus Christ. It's about seeing people get saved. Fellowship Church since 1989 has been all about evangelism and then together grow in full devotion to him. So it's super important that we know Jesus and connect with him, but it's super important that we connect with each other. So hopefully, and you, when you're taking your next steps here at Fellowship, uh, you're gonna be able to do that. But thank you so much for choosing Fellowship. Uh, it's so awesome to have you part of our family. God is doing some awesome stuff here at Fellowship. We had almost 100 people saved, just or 100 people baptized just a few weeks ago, which was so, so cool. And God blessed so much in those baptismal services. And it's awesome to be part of a ministry, just seeing that kind of move of God. Now, I want to tell you something. I don't normally do this, but I just ask you a question. How many of you guys have seen Jesus Revolution, the movie Jesus Revolution? Okay, okay, okay. Okay, so all those people that raise their hand will attest to the fact that this is a really good movie that you really need to support. It will bless you. Oh my gosh. I've seen it twice this week because it's just such a blessing. And it's a true story based on a true story. And uh, um, it is, it's just good for your soul to be able to see this story and God move through it. And they do such a good job. Now, here's the thing. I know, I get it. A, a lot of Christian films, they're not good, okay? I get it. They're not good. They, a lot of them don't have the right kind of funding and they don't get the right actors. And so sometimes the gospel message can come off a little cheesy and it just, you know, they're just not real good. Now there's been good ones, but this, this is a great one. And so if you can get a chance to do it and because of your response, the Christian response here in Grand Junction, it got held over a whole other week because both theaters, yes, are just getting people uh, in droves that are coming out and see it. And, and right now it's held over till Thursday. So both theaters have it. They have times throughout the day. Please go see it. It will so, so bless you. And then come tell me what you thought of it because I think you'll be very, very pleased. Well, we're going to continue to worship with the giving now, tithes and offerings. I hope you have come prepared to give back to the Lord today. Uh, there's all kinds of different ways you can give. You understand that we can give uh, uh, through the Church Center app. You can give by text uh, giving. You can give on the website. Or if you want to drop your tither offering off in the lobby, you can do so in one of our offering boxes. So make sure you take uh, a chance to do that. Let me pray over you as you get ready to give back to the Lord, whether you're here in the service or online. Lord, we love you. Thank you for an opportunity that we can worship you in song. 
and, and just showing you worth, Lord, in the, in the first half hour of this service. But Lord, thank you that you allow us to be able to worship you with giving too. And I pray, Lord, that now as we give to you, that everything that would come in would be sufficient for your church's needs. I pray, Lord, that you would bless us as we give like only you can. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you as you give. Now, if you know anything about my background, you know that I started in youth camp ministry. And I love youth camps. I grew up in Colorado, so I, I, I as a kid, went to Grand Mesa Baptist Camp. I also went to uh, uh, Cedar Edge uh, Assembly Camp. And so I had great experiences there. But then I worked at a youth camp for two years in Texas. And it was such a blessing. And the reason is because those kids come in and they get away from culture, they get away from friends and, and just peer pressures and they get away and they, they come and they're so, so open and vulnerable and transparent in that setting to be able to receive Christ as their savior. And our camps are awesome. Understand fellowship does, we do our own camps. We rent, our, uh, we rent a facility and do our own camps and it is the best of the best. I've seen the best in the country as far as camps are concerned. And this, this camp rivals all of them. And our youth staff do such an incredible job with it. Our volunteers do such an incredible job with it. It's coming up the end of May, and it's for our middle schoolers and high schoolers. Now, it's awesome as far as it's just a blast. There's all kinds of really, really cool activities to do. And a lot of times I think parents go, well, you know, I'm just paying to let them go have fun. They're going to have a blast, but the greatest thing about it is that God does something incredibly transforming in their life. The services are designed to bless them. It hits them right where they are. The worship, if you could see your students worship at camp, yeah, it would bless your soul. And then those sessions are all about how can they live a life with Christ in the society that they live in now? How can they they make a change in their schools that they're, they're in for the Lord. They deal with stuff as far as deliverance and dealing with issues and baggage from the past. I mean, it's awesome. Uh, it's really affordable in comparison to a lot of other camps, but there is a cost to it. And if the cost is an issue, don't let it be an issue because we're not gonna allow a student to not go to camp because they don't have the money. So we wanna make sure that every student that's supposed to go gets to go. So it's only a $50 deposit if you can get that because the spot, guys, we fill up every year and then we're like, gives parents that are in trouble with their kids because they can't go to camp because we're full. So <laughs> take my word for it. Make sure you guys get registered. You can do so on the Church Center app. But I wanted you to hear from a couple of our students the impact that camp has had on them. So would you listen to their testimonies? My name is Alex Steven and I am in 10th grade. My name is Brooklyn Meyer and I am in 8th grade. I would describe camp as a lot of fun. When we're there, we could have all the fun that a kid would ever imagine uh, because you get to uh, do God things, you get to spend time with friends. Get closer to God and to figure out myself in like my religion with my friends. And don't forget about the food. My favorite part about camp is about being able to worship, get closer to my friends, and about all like the night games and stuff. So the first night at camp, we play this game called Call of Duty, and it's not what you think when you think of the actual video game. It's way better than that. Pastor Tim and um, JL, those two, like lead it all, and there's like this big tower, and there's like scary music playing and like funny music too. I love all the hiding and like the seeking and stuff, and then just like like find people like, ah! My relationship with God has grown because of camp, because even though I've gone to 4640 on Tuesday nights, which it's been like, it's an awesome time. I get to learn about God there. It's just something about camp that um, makes it even better because their services there are like, they are super impactful. I've been going there since I was like really little. And I, when I was little, I didn't really have like a relationship with God. And like by now I have had a really great relationship with God and I've been able to like read my Bible more, um, journal about him and talk to my friends and just 
generally people about him and stuff. I definitely enjoyed getting away from devices because it gives me the chance to hang out with friends away from that and encounter God more and more each day. If they were hesitant of signing up, I would highly encourage them to go because it gives them a closer relationship with God. If I was going alone, I could still make friends with people, even though they're like really nervous to make friends with me or I'm nervous to make friends with them. I would still go anyways, so I can get closer with God, I can make more friends, I could have really fun like memories and relationships with other people. It's a great way to uh, connect with other people. They could get more connected with the students there and even the pastors. You get to slime somebody and it's just like, it's just fun. I want to slime Madeline because, um, I don't know, it's Madeline. <laughs> I would totally slime like Joe or Sean. They're just like, they're boys. I think that you should still come to camp if you're nervous, come to camp. If you're scared, just come to camp. If you think you won't make any friends, just come to camp. Whatever you do, come to camp. So did you get the message, come to camp, come to camp. The parents, get them signed up quick. We don't wanna uh, miss out on the opportunity for them to be able to go. And here are some other things that are happening here at Fellowship. Valleywide Worship Night is one week from today. Every year, churches and worship leaders from all over the valley come together to sing praise and worship to the King of Kings. The Bible describes the church as the bride of Christ. And when people gather together, no matter what church background you come from, just to worship Him, something amazing happens. We really stand in the truth of who the church is. And we're gonna host this event right here at Fellowship Church next Sunday, March 12th at 6 p.m. We would love to see you there. Coming up after spring break are a couple more opportunities to grow in your faith through some classes. Now with all of our classes, we wanna provide an opportunity not just to learn more, but through group discussion, you can also connect with other people who are walking in the same direction as you. The first is a brand new course written by Rebecca Roseberry called Empowered. This curriculum was birthed out of the last women's retreat and will teach women tools to access God's power in their lives. We've been eagerly waiting to offer this course and we can't wait to see what God will do through it. Empowered class will start on Tuesday, March 28th at 7 p.m. The cost for this course is $15. You can sign up on the Church Center app or drop by the Next Steps counter for more information. Another new class we are offering is John Bevere's updated curriculum on the bait of Satan. Through this course, you will learn how to identify the condition of your heart, how to reconcile with others, and by God's grace, be equipped to live free from the trap that Satan offers of offense. This has been a staple of our ministry here, and honestly, we as a staff have done the updated curriculum, and it has blessed us all over again. This course will start on Wednesday, March 29th at 7 p.m., and there's no cost for this course at all. Sign up on the Church Center app or drop by the Next Steps counter for more information. As always, if you missed any of our announcements or want more info, you can visit www.fellowshipgj.com events. Today, we're continuing the Unsung series, so please enjoy today's message. that you didn't want to do. Like, for example, maybe your wife
life has drug you to a craft store and forced you to push the cart while she goes around picking out decorative accent pieces. And maybe you're replaying the game in your minds and really just trying to picture the scoring highlights from the week, but she holds out these two balls and says to you, which of these decorative balls would look better on the shelf next to the TV? And you think to yourself, I didn't even know there was a shelf next to the TV. Why would I look at a shelf? It doesn't play the game. But you're not stupid, so you point to one of the two decorative balls, and she puts the other one in the cart. And then she says, now we need to go pick out a bowl to put the balls in to complete the look on the shelf. And you think again, should I continue, should I consider saying, have we thought about not decorating the shelf I didn't know exists? But you don't. Now women, to kind of relate to the story, if you would just substitute the word home improvement store for craft store, and instead of decorative accent piece, just hear me say um, stupid tool thingamabobber, and you'll be right there. But we've all been there. We've been drugged somewhere. We've been stuck doing something that we did not want to do. And that's what's happening to the children of Israel in our main text this morning. They are stuck in a cycle that they've been in before that they do not want any part of. Because sometimes when you're stuck, you end up having to pay a consequence. And it's a lot more severe than getting stuck at a craft store. So in this text, Judges chapter 6, we're looking at God's people stuck in the cycle that we talked about a couple weeks ago. We have this big graphic up here, and we kind of showed how God's people kept getting stuck in the book of Judges, where they commit a sin, then God allows them to be oppressed, and then after their oppression, they cry out to God and repent, and then God raises up a leader or a judge to help set them free, and then they, they, they serve God during the life of that judge, and then they sin again, start worshiping idols, and the cycle continues. So a few weeks ago, Ago, we taught on the, the story of Jael and Barak and Deborah. This story from today's text takes place literally on the very next page of the Bible. So they have just been set free and now they find themselves in chapter 6 of Judges where they are back oppressed by the Midianites this time and they've been oppressed for seven years. And our unsung hero this morning is a guy named Gideon and Gideon is aware of the cycle and he's aware of what's happening in his people and he's afraid too because what has happened is the Midianites come into the land of Israel and they raid it. So they come in and they raid and they steal all the crops right after the Israelites harvest them. They come in and they steal all the livestock from the ranchers right after the birthing time and the calves are young and, and they just steal everything and so for seven years at every harvest round the clock, they just steal everything. And now the children of Israel are desperate, they're hungry, they're starving, and they have no idea what to do. Let's pick up the story, Judges 6, verse 11. It says, Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at Oprah, no relation to the lady on TV, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Ebenezer. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of the wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. So what you might not know is that a wine press is a horrible place to 
to take care of greens. Because a wine press is a giant hole. There's a picture of it, I believe. A giant hole, and then you put the grapes in, you squash the grapes, and then there's a trough, and the, the juice drains out, and that works perfect for grapes. But it's a horrible thing for uh, threshing grain, because what you want for that is a big, wide-open, flat area. And as you beat the grain, you want to strategically use the wind to separate the good grains from the bad grains. The wind blows them away, and you keep the good grain. But if you're threshing the wheat in a wine press, you have no wind advantage. So you have to somehow sort out the good grains from the, and it's just a massive undertaking that could be made so much easier if you're threshing in the right spot. But Gideon's afraid, so he's hiding from the Midianites because he knows they're watching the usual spots that they would thresh the grain. So Verse 12 becomes really ironic. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why did all this happen to us? And if where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say, the Lord brought us up out of Egypt, but now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. So God doesn't even acknowledge Gideon's complaint. But he says, basically, you're the answer to your own prayers. Verse 15, but God, or but Lord, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest of the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. The Lord said to him, I will be with you, and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting as one man. So Gideon saw his past actions. He saw that he was literally standing in a wine press, hiding and afraid. He saw all of that, and he thought, my family is weak. Our social position is low. There is no chance that God is going to use me. Because Gideon only saw himself in that moment and his self's past. But God sees things differently. And that brings us to our first truth. God sees you differently than you see yourself. God sees you differently than you see yourself. You see, God never calls us by our situation. He doesn't call Gideon boy in the wine press. He calls Gideon mighty hero. He calls Gideon great warrior because he sees who Gideon is becoming. He sees the future that he has designed for Gideon. Romans 4 says, And this promise is from God himself, who speaks of future events with as much certainty as though they had already passed. So God has the benefit of seeing the past and the present and the future all at once. He can simultaneously see who you were, who you are, and who you will be. But we don't have that advantage. When we look at ourselves, all we can see is where we're at right now and all the things that we've done before that were mistakes. And so because of that, because of our limited sight, we tend to discredit ourselves. We say, I'm disqualified. I've messed up. I don't have anything that great to offer. And so we count ourselves out when God does not. We'll say, I could never do those things. And I could never be that because of what I did last weekend. 
because of what I said to my kids when the minivan door finally closed. I could never be used by God because of how my marriage failed or because of what I clicked on on my phone. And so we look at ourselves as we are or as we were and we say, there is no way. I can't lead my family. I can't. I can't serve. I can't pray. I can't lift my hands in worship. I can't step out and express my faith or invite a coworker to church. I can't because I see who I am. But the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. As Christ followers, we don't have to hide our mistakes. We don't have to hide our sins or our failures. In fact, we should immediately hold them up to the light and reveal them to Christ. Because if we do that, then Jesus forgives them and we're set free from them. The fancy church word for this is justification. Justification, my Bible college professors taught me to remember it this way. It's just as if I'd never sinned. So when we are justified in Christ, it's just as if we'd never sinned. That's how God sees us, as justified in Christ. And so the only sin or failure or mistake that we've ever made that can stop us from becoming who God is calling us to be is the one we refuse to admit to the Lord. That's the only mistake that can really hold us back. It's hidden sins. It's things we hide that actually limit our potential. But anything we expose, that God can use and redeem, and it never changes how he sees us. You know how a mother looks at her brand new newborn baby? She like looks down at that baby and there is so much love in her eyes. Like she is just like, this is the most beautiful baby that has ever been born on planet earth. Like they, that mother is in love with that child. That child can do no wrong. That child is going to grow up to accomplish so much. And even if that child is literally pooping in its diaper, crying and spitting up on that mother, the mother does not care. She just sees all of the beauty and potential in that human being. It's like drunk goggles, but for a mom, okay? All they see is the good. And the truth is God sees us in a very similar matter. Not because he's in denial about who we are, but because his vision of who we are includes the future, not just the past. And so he's able to see us in the most holistic way possible. And he says about you, he says, you are loved. You are treasured. You are valuable. You are worth it. You are strong. You are mighty. You are able to do more abundantly than you can imagine. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. And so when God calls Gideon mighty hero or God calls Gideon mighty warrior, what God is seeing is the future that's developing in Gideon's life. But what Gideon is seeing is the past and all of his self-doubt. And Gideon doesn't believe in himself the way God believes in Gideon. Gideon doesn't trust himself to have heard from God. Verse 36, it says, Then Gideon said to God, If you are going to truly use me to rescue Israel, as you have promised, prove it to me in this way. I will put out a wool fleece on the threshing floor tonight. And if the fleece is wet with dew in the morning, then the ground is dry, then I will know that you are going to rescue me Help me rescue Israel as you have promised. And that's what happened. Then Gideon got up early the next morning. He squeezed out the fleece and wrung out a whole bowl full of water. Then Gideon said to God, please don't be angry with me, but let me make one more request. Let me use the fleece for one more test. 
This time, let the fleece remain dry and the ground around it wet with dew. So that night, God did as Gideon asked, and the fleece was dry in the morning, but the ground was wet. Okay, so I wanted to see what this would actually look like. So from a rancher, we borrowed some fleece. He like went out and shaved it right off the sheep. It smells like that's what happened. Um, okay, so this is what he had. And the text says that Gideon has now moved out of the wine press and he's actually standing on the threshing floor. So we can see he's beginning to believe some of the promises of God and he's sleeping on the threshing floor with this fleece on the ground, and it got out, he asked God to make it wet, then he asked God to cause it to be dry, and God jumps through all of, you know, those hoops. Now, what I find interesting is, in, in this verse, it says, let me use the fleece for one more test. Who is Gideon testing? Who is Gideon testing? Is it the fleece? No. Is it God? Yeah, that's what 9 o'clock said too. I don't think so. Because Gideon already said, as you have promised. He, he already acknowledged that God promised to deliver Israel. He's testing himself. He's testing his ability to hear from God. He is not confident that he's heard right or that somehow God could use him in this miracle. He knows God's going to deliver Israel. He even said, you delivered Israel from Egypt. Where is that going on? He knows. He was alive when Jael and Brock and Deborah delivered Israel. That, that was his generation. He knows God can do it. He doesn't doubt God. He doubts his own ability to be involved in the miracle. He doubts his, his own having heard God tell him that. He doesn't trust himself to have really heard from God. It's ishy, okay? So that's why it's so important that truth number two, that we learn to hear God's voice speak into our lives. Our God is a communicator. And that's one of the distinctives of Christianity as compared to all the other world religions. The gods of um, Muhammad and Buddha and Allah, the father and referenced in the Latter-day Saints religion, the gods of the Hindu religion, and all the false idols mentioned in the Old Testament, none of them claim to still be speaking to their people today. But our God does. In fact, there's four ways that the Bible tells us that God communicates to his people right now in our generation. And it's this, he speaks through his word, the Bible. That's why we say, read the Bible every day, open it up, spend a couple minutes listening to God speak through the Bible. The second way is through Bible teachers or pastors. God will speak. And so like you might read a text and then later, a couple months later, you hear Pastor Tim teach on that text and you're like, oh, light bulb. Like it starts to make sense because of the gifted Bible teacher. That's the second way. The third way is through natural consequences or pain. This is an easy one, right? The toddler touched the stove, the stove burns, ow, the toddler has learned the lesson. So sometimes God teaches us through the pain of our own decisions in life. And the fourth way he speaks, and this is the one that we get excited about. The fourth way he speaks is through impressions, or Pastor Tim likes to call them downloads. And that's where, as believers, Christ followers, we know that the Holy Spirit resides within us. And Jesus said, out of our belly. So he actually resides in our innermost being. And he speaks. And when he speaks, it kind of bubbles up. And it is something that we start to sense or feel. And last of all, our brain 
engages with that information. And this is something each believer has to learn to hear. And we hear not with our ears, but in our innermost being. So I remember being a 16-year-old kid, and I was a young believer, and I was trying to learn how God was going to speak to me. My dad on this particular day was still at work, and my mom was running out of the house with my three brothers. And as she ran out the house, right before the screen door slammed, she turned and yelled, JL, Get the clothes out of the dryer and fold them and put them away. And I remember very clearly my mature response in that moment being something like, yes, mother dearest, I can hardly wait to obey. No, I was 16. I rolled my eyes. I huffed very audibly. And I stomped down the stairs to get the laundry, being very put out that I would have to contribute to the laundry responsibilities of our household. And on the way down the stairs, I heard what I now know would be the Holy Spirit speaking, but I didn't know it at the time. I heard this voice, and it said, you'll need a laundry basket. And I ignored that and continued down the stairs. And I heard the voice again from within say, you will need a laundry basket. And out loud, the hearing was so profound that out loud I argued with the voice. And I said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to get a towel from the clean laundry load. I'm going to put everything on top of that and carry it up so I don't have to go find a stupid laundry basket. So out loud, I'm now arguing with the voice that's speaking. And I get down, and I open the dryer, and I realize that there are 57 individual white socks. And that's it. There is nothing else in that entire load of laundry. And I hear someone say, yeah, I told you to get a laundry basket. And it was in that moment that I realized something supernatural had just happened in my life. That I had heard the Holy Spirit from within speaking to me. And, and it was profound, even though it was about the simplest and mundanest of tasks. So our God, he wants to teach his children to hear his voice. And he is so patient and kind as he does so. You know how I know? Because I disobeyed the very first three things he ever said to me in my life. Our story continues in Judges 7. We find out that Gideon has now managed to gather together 32,000 troops. And God looks down at that army and they're going to go against the Midianites. And God says, those odds are too even and I don't want them that way. So I would like you to thin out your army lest you go to battle and think that you guys did it. That's weird, right? <laughs> So God then tells Gideon, tell the army, if anyone is afraid or even timid, that they can go home. So Gideon makes this announcement and 22,000 men go, yeah, I'm afraid of dying in war, so peace out. And they left and the army thinned from 32 to 10,000 just like that. Well, God looked at that army and said, you guys are still going to brag that you did this on your own strength. I need to thin the army even more. So he decided to have Gideon host a drinking contest. Not that kind of drinking contest, okay? He said, bring all the men to drink from this spring of water. And the method by which they drink will let us know which group to put them in. So for some reason, 9,700 men stuck their face directly in the stream of water. I guess this is what happens when no women are around. But they just like shoved their face into the water and slurped. Okay, 9,700. And only three people behaved in what way I would consider to be normal. 
by scooping the water in their hands and cupping it. That is how people, anyways. So 300 men did that and 9,700 men. And God said, send home the 9,000. And 300 were left with Gideon to go into battle. And then God said, yes, these are my kind of odds. Because if you can win this battle, it is clearly because I helped you. And that brings us to our third truth this morning, which is more is not always better. There's a trap in our culture that says more is better. That we need more money, more friends, more house, more toys, faster car, newest iPhone, bigger and best. And we think that the truth is that the bigger we get and the more we have, the more blessed we are. But that's not always true. With more comes more decisions, more complications, more work. More requires more stewardship and more organization and sometimes even more headaches. And the pursuit of more can cause us to get in a rat race that we will never win. So sometimes less, sometimes simple, sometimes committed is better. Sometimes moving forward requires thinning out the crowd and leaving some behind. And when God calls you to that next level, a thinning process will almost always have to happen. Sometimes you can't go where God's calling you to go unless you leave behind some friends. Sometimes you have to break up with a girlfriend or a boyfriend. Sometimes you have to settle a possession or quit a job or let go of the old dream to lay hold of the new dream. And you can't go where he's calling you to go if you're dragging the dead weight of something that he asked you to leave behind. And so that old habit, that old relationship, that old mindset, that old view of self might need to be left behind. Ask yourself this question. Is there something or someone that God is calling me to let go of so I can step into the new season? That's a real question to contemplate. Now, here's the plan that God gave Gideon to attack the Midianite army. Are you ready for this? He said, get all your 300 men and give them a torch, lit torch, and put over it like a clay pot so that there's no light coming out. And then give them a ram's horn. And the men must have looked at Gideon like he'd lost his mind. Like, what? Also, where's the sword, the spear, the slingshot, the bow and arrows? Like, what's the plan here? No, the torch and the ram's horn is the plan. And so the men are instructed to encircle the, the enemy that's camped in the valley and to wait for Gideon's signal. And when the signal comes, to break the clay plot and pot and to blow the ram's horn, and then that God would, would do a miracle. Verse 21, it says, Each man stood at his position around the camp and watched the Midianites rush around in panic, shouting as they ran to escape. When the 300 Israelites blew their ram's horns, the Lord caused the warriors in the camp to fight against each other with their swords. And those who were not killed fled. This is a crazy plan. And I tried to envision what this would look like, right? You've got a camp. It's pitch dark. It's before electricity. So these men are sleeping on the ground in the dark. And now there's a circle of enemies with torches, but you can't see them quite yet. And... I'm just wondering what the ram's horn must have sounded like echoing in this valley with 300 men. But I've never heard a ram's horn. And so um, I thought about it and I remembered that Pastor Will, for some unknown reason, keeps a ram horn on his desk. Yeah. So I said, I 
called him and I said, hey, Will, is, is that really a ram's horn on your desk? And you would have thought that he was born for this moment right here. It's true. Like he lit up. He immediately offered to demonstrate for me the ram's horn. And it was impressive. So I'd like him to show you what the ram's horn sounds like. Hear the echo, right? So the ram's horn sounds, it's echoing. I don't know, did the Midianites think like a bunch of demented elephants were about to come trampling in? Oh, that's this, ready? Okay. <laughs> that's, that's the elephant. So the 300 horns are echoing throughout the whole valley and the men in a dead sleep wake up and are obviously startled by the sound that they're hearing. So they start to panic. They draw their swords and they literally kill each other. Yeah. Yeah. You want one more? Okay. (laughs) So clay pots, torches, and ram's horn, and somehow 300 men God empowers them to win the victory. Let's be honest, though. Number four, that's a crazy plan. And we cannot be afraid to have a crazy God plan. Don't be afraid to have a crazy God plan. It is a crazy God plan to take 10% of your income and say, I'm going to choose to tithe. And I'm going to give 10% of what God gives me to the kingdom work of God. And to somehow believe that God's going to take 90% and multiply it so that it turns out to be more. That is crazy. It does not make logical sense. But how many people in this room would say you have seen that truth in your own lives? Right? There's there's hundreds of hands in this room. And I think it's because it doesn't make sense, but we know it's true. It's a crazy God plan. Or the idea of saying, you know what? My family and I, we are going to commute to church. Do you know that there are families that commute 30 and 45 minutes from Delta, Montrose, Vernal. They, they come from silt and parachute and rifle. They drive to church every Sunday because they think, man, it is important that I get my kids in a church where they can have fun and learn about God and grow up. That's a crazy thing to do, but it works. Or if you feel led to spend 20, 30 minutes every day reading the Bible, praying, worshiping, that's crazy. How is that going to help you have a smoother day? It's a crazy God plan that he just imparts wisdom and insight and opens the right doors for you throughout the day because you stopped and spent time with him. It's a crazy God plan for a business like Chick-fil-A to say, I'm going to be closed on a Sunday. Because if they were open, we would all go there next and get chicken, right? And they said, no, 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 we're going to be closed and we're going to give our, our employees the opportunity to go and worship with their families. You would think that would defy business logic in every way. It's a crazy God plan. And guess what? It works for them because their drive through line is never hurting for customers. So somehow God takes that faithfulness and he multiplies it. And I think that when we are honest, we would recognize that what says in 1 Corinthians, it says, the message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. But we who are being saved know that is the very power of God. Is the very power of God, even though it doesn't make sense and defies logic. Well, Gideon won the victory, and the Midianites were driven out of the land, and all of Israel gathered to kind of celebrate 
this huge victory. And in that gathering, they were probably talking about war stories. They were probably applauding all the work that Gideon had done. And then they asked Gideon, would you be our king? And Gideon says, I will not be your king, nor will my sons, because God himself is your king. You don't need me to be the king. And so he denies it. But they keep pressuring him, I guess. And he's like, well, if you really want to reward me for my faithful work to the Lord, for winning this battle for you, y'all could bring me some of the golden plunder you got from the battle. And so they do. They throw down a blanket, and everybody throws some of the plunder they got on it, and it amounts to a big old pile of gold. And Gideon takes that gold, and he forms it into an ephod. And an ephod is like a priestly garment, and he overlaid it in gold, and he put it in his hometown of Oprah. And time goes on, 40 years between when he won the battle and when Gideon dies. And during that 40 years, what he did was he began to worship the golden ephod. And his sons began to worship the golden ephod. And all of Israel, the Bible says, came and prostituted themselves before the golden ephod. And so the very man that God used to set them free from the cycle they were stuck in led them right back into the same thing. And that brings us to our fifth and final point, which is finish well. Finish well. Our culture puts so much emphasis on this idea of starting young and youth and strong. And that's good. But the truth is it is harder to finish well than it is to start well. And one of the challenges I believe that God sets before us today is the challenge to finish well. The Bible says that God is faithful. And I think because God is faithful, he wants faithfulness from his people. He values that. And we should be faithful in our marriages, in our work, faithful stewards of the things that he's given to us, faithful to finish well. And this generation more than ever needs examples of faithfulness. We need to be them and we need to see them. So that we can finish well. I'm going to take just a moment to talk to those of you who, in your own heart, you would say, I'm probably in the second half of my life. I'm probably in maybe the final quarter of my life. And I want to challenge you to say, to say to you, finish well. We need to see you finish well. We, don't, we know you're going to retire from the marketplace, and that's fine. But please don't retire from the kingdom work of God. Please continue to pray. Please continue to serve. Please continue to invest in the people around you, in relationship, in challenging, and imparting your wisdom. Like, we need you. And even if you want to retire from the marketplace, that's great. But always keep being present and being with us and supporting those who are coming behind you. Be faithful. And I hope that every one of us at the end of our lives can say what the Apostle Paul said in 2 Timothy when he said that I have finished the race, I have been faithful. May that be what we're able to say. Let's pray together. God, we love you. Thank you that you were faithful to the end, to the cross. Even though it pains you, you were faithful to the end. And we pray that we would be faithful to the end, to the end of whatever it is that you've called us to. And God, we entrust ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, church family, we love you, and we will see you next Sunday morning. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can do that right now. I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, 
I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my savior and to guide my life, to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time, we would love to celebrate with you. Please text HEAVEN to 94000 to get in contact with our staff where we can answer any questions you may have. Also, if you're in need of prayer, we would love to support you. You can submit your prayer requests by texting PRAYER SUPPORT to 94000. Our prayer team will receive your request and immediately start covering you. If this was your first time experiencing Fellowship Church, or if you wanna learn more about one of our many ministries, you can text Fellowship to 94000 to connect with our staff. As always, we are still just a phone call away. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY with any questions. Thanks again, and we hope to see you next week in person or online.